0: today we start with Seif Udine, Seif seventeen of um continuing on the subject of the, uh breaking Taban Youth and how Rabbenu's sexual purity was extremely, extremely lofty. Rabinatan tells us Gamama Rabbenu also said Shazi Shazivuk Shah Tadika Metkasha Lavinze Velo Shum Tabakal Kiima Draba Yeshu Y Suri Kemo Yisura Tinokbish Atamina Rabbenu said that with regard to the marital relations of the true tzadik, it is very difficult for him to do it. Why? It's not enough that he has no desire at all, but on the contrary, he has extreme suffering, literal suffering, whenever he's with his wife. Why? Just like a baby at the time of uh, circumcision as we were talking about in the last uh, podcast. Because literally, the tzaddik literally has the same affliction that a baby has at the time of his brit milah, uh, But not only that, the tzaddik has it even more so. Because the baby, at the time when he is um, being circumcised, he has no consciousness. He's not aware of what's happening. Therefore, his afflictions aren't very big. But the tzaddik, who has that, meaning even though the kid has tremendous suffering, it's not that the suffering is to the same degree as the tzaddik, because the tzaddik is a little bit different. His afflictions are greater than the baby because he has consciousness and he's aware of what's happening. And this was a simple accomplishment for Rabenu To show you the level he got to, that's something which the entire world considers a big pleasure. That Rabenu was completely separated from this and Rabenu said this is something that any person can get to. Rabenu said that any single person can merit to attain this level. And it seems, according to Rabenu's words, that His Holiness was much more sublime than what we're talking about here. That Rabenu already went much, much higher than this thing which He said any person can attain, than the level on which He said that you can attain suffering at the time of your relations with your wife. Imagine, uh, Imagine what we're talking about here, a person who's completely separated from this desire. Rabenu said that by him, with regard to him, a man and woman are the same. There's no difference. That Rabenu doesn't receive any evil thought whenever he sees a woman. Everything is equal to him. It's the same thing. A man and a woman. There's no thought. There's no difference. It's like if I look at man, I don't think think the, anything bad. God forbid. The same is true with Rabenu If you were looking at a woman, it's the same thing. It was as if he was seeing a man. And he said, rabenu said one time, that he does not fear not from a woman. He doesn't fear from a woman. Or he doesn't fear from an angel. And we're going to see what that really means. And with regard to this, there's lots to explain. To express because one who still has a little bit of fear with regard to a, uh, receiving immoral thoughts about women, meaning a person who's still afraid that he, when he looks at a woman, he might have immoral thoughts, or a person when he comes in contact with someone, he might think something bad. You know what I mean? Anything. A person who still fears from these immoral thoughts of women because he still might be not hasn't completely destroyed this temptation. Even though he's completely clean in this regard. It's just that he's not completely clean to the highest purity. Therefore, he still has those, maybe that fear of thought. It's not, he might not even have the thought. He just has the fear of having the thought. He still has some minimal amount of dread from this uh, from these immoral thoughts. So Rabbanu said about this person, he, even if he has the slightest taint of fear from this, he would need to fear from an angel. he <inaudible> took pride in himself in the fact that he had no fear from this at all whatsoever, not a drop. <inaudible> Therefore, he has no fear from an angel. And what's the connection between fearing from an angel and fearing from a woman? Now, Rabenu explains, and it's brought down the secret in the Gemara page eighty-one uh, A, and also Rabenu explains this even further in Dikutem Oran. Tinyana, the second volume, the first lesson. Over there, he explains this Inyan. As he brought down from the Galat Yushin, this is explained just a little bit in the word of the Chachamim. What did Rav Amram Chasida say to the angel? I am flesh and you are fire. And I'm still better than you. You see, Rav uh, Amram had no fear. That we see that this is what... Rav Amram Chazidah said said the angel that he had, that he uh, he said he was better than him. And Rabenu, um, it's brought down in his words. May his memory be a blessing. In the lesson Tikkum Shalah in Siman Aleph in the first lesson of Likudemoran Moran the second volume of Likudemoran. Moran. Look over there uh, very well, and you will understand. And uh, over there it explains this idea that if a person wants to have dominion over the angels, the only way he can do so is by binding himself to the Shoshin Nishmot Israel, to the root of all the souls of the Jewish people, which is where the Kisei HaKavod is. Because the, all the souls of the Jewish people are drawn from under the Kisei HaKavod, which is why Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe ascends on and all the angels want to burn him and brought down the Midrash, Hashem said, And Kevodi, it, it brought down this idea to hold on to my throne of uh, glory because it's over there. When you hold on to the throne of glory, you're binding yourself to the neshamot, and then the angels have no dominion over you. You actually go above the angels, as Rabenu says. That one in this lesson, he starts with this lesson that the Ishi Israeli, the Jewish man, was created to have memshalah over the malachim, to have rulership over the angels. And how do you do that, Rabbanu says? By binding yourself to the souls of the Jewish people. And how do you bind yourself to the souls? By destroying and nullifying your, your sexual desire. And it's brought out this idea that bisra, which means flesh, as we see with Amram Chasida, this is what he said, Anna bisra. That I am flesh, the ant ish, and you are fire. What bisra, if you take the first letters of this, um, if you take this word, it's an acronym for the phrase, Shishim ribo becheresechad. That it says about Yocheve, that she gave birth to. To uh, 600,000 in one womb. Meaning that Moshe Rabbein who represented Sadiq Ahmed, Connected was all 600,000 souls in one soul. And she had. It was as if she gave birth to 600,000 souls in one shot. That she had 600,000 souls in one womb. And that's what Sadiq Ahmed, who purifies his flesh so very much. To the point where he's above his desire. And he's completely over the angels. Uh if you that 19. <laughs> Rabbanu accustomed himself during his youth and during his childhood to run all the time, always to the graveset of the, the Barshem Tov. May the memory of this holy tzaddik be for a blessing. The holy Barshem Tov, his great grandfather, Rabbanu used to run to his kever, his graveset, all the time. To constantly request from the Barshem Tov that the Barshem Tov were basically to to, what do you call, assist him drawing, in drawing close to God. He would go to the Bar Shem Tov as, uh, for advice, and for uh, to ask the Bar Shem Tov to basically help him draw close to Hashem. And Rabenu would himself to go specifically at what time? During the night time. And in the winter time, when it was extremely cold outside, he would go out at night, and there's many stories brought down to Rabenu, when he was just a child, he used to go out at night when his mother was sleeping and his father was sleeping. And uh, <laughs> he used to go out at night when his mother was sleeping and basically uh, take the horse and go, uh, go to the Kvarim, go to the Bode without anyone knowing. And then tuck himself in bed by the time his mother woke up so that uh, she wouldn't realize he left. To show you the sacrifice that Rabbeinu went through, just something unimaginable. And we're going to see how old he was when he did this at the end of the paragraph. So in the winter time in the very cold weather, he would go out at night, and from there, he would go after the kever of the Baal Shem Tov, after praying on his great-grandfather's kever, he would go to the Mikveh, and immerse in the ritual bath. There was two mikvehs in that time, in Medzibot, where the Baal Shem Tov was buried, and this is where Rabbeinu grew up, that there was a Mikveh outside the bathhouse. And those were on mikveh inside the bathhouse. And after that, we went to a mikveh that was secluded from the crowd. Bar Rabbanu specifically chose a mikveh outside the bathhouse. At the time when it was extremely cold, and not only was it extremely cold outside, but he was already outside for hours on the care of the bashertov. And it was an extremely, an extremely far walk from the his house where he grew up to the cemetery and from the cemetery to the mikveh aside from all the time he was waiting upon the kever of the Bashemtof, so imagine how much time he's spending outside nevertheless with all that being said Rabenu specifically decided to dip himself in the mikveh that was standing outside the bathhouse to basically do this for self-mortification to attain self mastery, to, to specifically destroy all his desires and to, to suffer for Hashem, for for so that he can completely remove himself from this world. And all this was done modestly at night when nobody knew privately. And this is the most amazing part that Rabinathan said, I heard someone's name. That he heard this explicitly from Rabenu's mouth. That at the time when he was doing this, when he was a child, he was only six years old. This is something very special. And Rabenu was so uh, ser- was serving Hashem so very much in such a private fashion from all other people that he would make sure to hide from everyone else. To the point that literally one time, Rabenu went to the mikveh in the morning during the winter time. He came back from the mikveh. And his peyot, his side locks, were wet from the water from the mikveh. And the entire people around him, the entire city was questioning him. The world was questioning him that in the winter such a small kid would wet his head. It it didn't even arise in their head that such a small kid went to the mikveh, especially in the weather, like this, in freezing weather they only thought that he wet his head and dipped his head in water for some odd reason and they were questioning why he wet his head in such cold weather and what did they decide they thought it was not because of any other reason except for the fact that he was a small stupid kid basically that it was a childish act and that a child like this does things that that don't make sense because Rabbeinu was so good at what he did he hid Himself from every single person to prevent them from knowing any single piece of Avodat Hashem. Also, all the fasts that Rabenu engaged in, all the many fasts that He did, not one single person knew of them in the world. Not His father, not His mother, not any of His relatives, His close ones. Only His wife knew of these fasts. And he made her swear that she would not reveal the fact that he was fasting to any single person. And Rabenu would do all sorts of uh, strategies to conceal himself and to hide himself from, uh, from the world so that nobody would know that he was fasting, so that nobody would know that he was engaging in so many fasts and mortifications. And um I believe it's written I forget where, I think maybe it might be written in Aran, which we'll get to. Or um in Chaim Moran. The idea that when Rabenu um was fasting from Shabbat to Shabbat, um one week he encountered many nosebleeds and um at that point he knew um he said after he encountered a few nosebleeds that week, I, I, think, I believe it's written around this idea, this subject, that um Rabenu said um My fasts have been becoming known, meaning that people have been knowing about my fasting. And um, because of that, he was encountering these nosebleeds and everything. Rabbanu knew that immediately, that the second he encountered that suffering during the fasting, that his fasting had become known and wasn't private anymore, that other people had found out. And um, we see that Rabbanu was very, very careful to make sure that nobody knew that he was fasting. Nobody knew what he was doing to make sure everything was Lashem Shemayim. And this is so important how much Rabbi Natan emphasizes in Chief Qayran. Maybe more than any other subject we've seen so far. That everything Rabenu did as a child was to make sure that everything was hidden. Also, as an adult, all the more so. But Rabenu hid himself very, very much. And this is very intentional. That to attain greatness, to attain true holiness, one must make sure that his kavod, that he's attaining his kavod elohim, godly honor, which is a hidden matter. That says kavod elohim davar. The honor of God is a hidden matter. So Rabbanu needs to ensure that if he really want that if he really wanted to attain godly honor, that he would do it in a hidden fashion. And it says what does it say? Kavod hakor davar. That kingly honor is an investigative manner. Meaning if uh, if you want people to, uh, if you want to attain a different type of honor, people will investigate. Everyone, everybody will know. But Rabenu's intention was that nobody should know, so that everything would be remain, remaining for Hashem's honor. Seif Khaf, the last one. No, in the time when Rabbanu was sitting in his father-in-law's house, was dwelling with his father-in-law. When Rabbanu would desire to speak to his great grandfather about Shemto. Meaning, what to travel to his kever and to request from him something, a sort of request that Rabenu would accustom himself to go to the kever of the Tov if he needed something from him to plead on Hashem's behalf, to plead on his behalf to God. That when Rabenu moved from Medzibot to the house of his father in law, Rabenu would accustom himself to travel to the, uh, the town and the congregation of Smila in Eastern, uh, in this place in Ukraine which was close to his father-in-law's house and Rabbeinu would go to the kever of this famous tzaddik our master the one of the students of the B'ashem Tov may his memory be a blessing that he was uh, dwelling over there that he was uh, resting over there and Rabenu made this tzaddik the student of the B'ashem Tov as a messenger that uh, he made this tzaddik, Rav a messenger, to go and to make known to the Bashem whatever Rabbanu's request was. Rabanu used to go to this tzaddik's kever as a messenger, as an intermediary to go to the Bashem because the Bashem was very far. And he told them to go to the Bashem to bring him in his message. Very deep stuff, obviously. And the, the, the beautiful thing I was reading in Chaim uh, Oran this past week. About uh, Rabbi Baruch Mimedzibos, the uh, uncle of Rabenu, the f- the brother of Vega, and neviya, Vega mother. Rabbi was one of was the grandson of the Tov. and it says about Rabbi that he was an uh, awesome, tremendous Sadiq that he was very close to the Tov. and uh, after the Tov's passing, the Tov would come to Rabi Baruch a lot of the time, and that uh, when Rabbi Baruch would go to the cave of the Tov, he would interact with him in many different ways, and they would they had a very close connection, and one time. Um, it was known that Rab Nisan Kavler, one of the students of Rabbi Baruch, uh, saw his teacher very sad in his room once, and he asked his rebbe. He said, uh, "Rebbe, what's going on? Why are you so sad?" And uh, Rabbi Baruch responded by telling his students, saying, "What? That every time I used to go to the Shemto, I always used to see the Barshemto. The Barshemto used to come to me and talk to me and uh, engage in conversation with me. But recently, for the past few weeks or months." It's been that uh, every time I go to the Kevah, the Bar Shem Tov, he's no longer there. His soul is no longer there. Meaning he didn't come visit me. He's not, he's not there. He's not present. He's not present at his Kevah. It's like he went somewhere else. And Ram Nisan the Kevah asked uh, Rabbi Baruch. He said, but where did he go then? And Rabbi Baruch responded that he said that the Bar Shem Tov chose his place with his great-grandson, Rav Nachman. That Rabbi said that he's with my nephew now. To show you that even the the Bar Shem Tov went to attach himself to Rabenu. We can't even imagine what we're talking about here. That uh, when Rabenu Gaben, said that by the age of 13 he had surpassed the Bar Shem Tov. What, we, we don't even really, we, we can't even grasp the, the greatness of this Sadiq Rabenu Akalosh. Yet alone the Bar Shem Tov, of course, you know. But to show you that the Bar Shem Tov, after his passing, instead of uh, whenever, uh, he, he left his kever, as uh, this is literally a testimony from Rabi uh, Baruch, one of the greatest Sadiqim at the time. And uh, even Rabbau, who had makhluket on Rabenu, who, who, who had a lot of strife on Rabbi Nachman, his own nephew, even he said that what, Bar made his home by his nephew, uh, Rabbi Nachman. Just to show you that Rabenu uh, and Rabbi, Rabbi Shem their connection was uh, very, very special and very unique. So, we'll continue our next podcast with Seif Khaf Alef.